Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You hearing it on the phone? Lock this on the desk if they tell you. It's the late show with Francie Weatherman. Artistry. Oh, didn't play. Take that something wrong. Yeah, okay, here we go. All right. Sunday night, late night radio. What fun. One, two, one, two, three, four. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate
That's cool. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode here on Francie and Friends. I know we're waking up with the roosters, but we have a very special guest on tonight, uh, Deborah. I love her. She's a genius. So, you know, of course we're going to show up early for her. Um, we're going to talk more about this. Uh, let me make it a quick little announcement now. Uh, Honest Amish. Honest Amish. Fantastic product. Deborah. Yes. Deborah. I yes, know I'm you're here. not a mom. Yes, I know you're not a man, and they got that beard and mustache stuff that's going on, but they also have an awesome body soap and very awesome hand salve. You got to check it out, honestamish.com. Mention uh, Talking Beards, you will get 30% off on your uh, order. And wow. Tom... Yo. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic product. You got you got to try Honest Amish. I I got a free sample. I'm totally hooked. It smells good. It makes your skin feel good when you wash yourself. They I'm even have sure stuff that tastes like licorice. Looks like Yeah, they do have that licorice scent too, man. I cannot. Yes, they do have that licorice too. Tom, I've been Yo. promising you. I promise it's coming in the mail. Okay. It's coming. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Any announcements? Uh, I think I have a few um, with uh, Black Bedsheet Books uh, coming um, hopefully this week um, is um, uh, a debut novel by Ken King, Where Darkness Dwells, and we just released Carson Buckingham's new book, uh, Too Late for Praying, and we're going to have uh, soon enough another, uh, another book by Chuck W. Chapman. Uh, author of Family Man, and uh, we're also going to have another book by Raina Young in her Monster series, and that right. one's going to be about a mummy. So yeah, and cool. we're getting ready to uh, launch our big spring extravaganza thing. It's going to be great. Oh, that's just rhymed. Spring and thing. Yes, so anywho, yeah, so um, uh, everybody go to blackbedsheetbooks.com and check out the latest stuff. Nice. Yeah, cool. And yes, definitely will. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend it. Thing I'd like to... oh. Go ahead, Tom. No, I just said I highly recommend it. Oh, yeah, Tom <laughs> Sawyer is an author of mine. I've got like 12 books published by uh, uh, that I published for him. So you, you got to check him out. He's he's awesome, of course. And he's um, gonna uh, pretty soon here, probably this spring. You're gonna be coming out with your third Twilight Zone um, uh, compilation. Yep. Yeah. Rodney Trust again. That's gonna oh, be great. Oh, that's awesome! I love the Twilight Zone. That sounds awesome. I do too. 
It's my and Robbie Trust series. So it's, uh, he was by influence to be want to be a writer in the first place. So, you know, you know. So, you know. And by the way, I just want to give us a little shout out. We are number one right now in live entertainment. Oh, cool. That's cool. Okay. Oh, All right, uh, one more, one more other thing. Um, yeah. Oh, Hermie pooped somewhere. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm at my desk, and Hermie pooped somewhere close by, and my little beard is dragging, and um, he was out earlier, and it smells really, really bad at my desk right now. So, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and stop that. Um, let's talk about another thing. To the Rescue by Tommy Habib and uh, Deborah. I know that you are a animal activist also, and I was. I'm, I'm hoping to get you and Tommy together because Tommy Habib is doing this. Really, oh, is on my shoe. Okay, but Tommy Habib is doing this really cool thing where he goes out and he rescues dogs. I'm hoping that you'll take a look at it. Maybe we can get Tommy Habib to call in. He's probably watching the Super Bowl, though, because he is a big Super uh, football fan. But to the rescue, um, it's a very great uh, resource that's going on. He's going out and he's rescuing dogs. And it's a really, really great cause. And, you know, um, I do hope that you and Tommy Habib can be in contact. We're going to try and get them on. I'm going to keep trying messaging them. So, Deborah, what's going on? Yeah, so quite a lot. Um, first off, I would love to meet Tommy because I don't actually go out and rescue dogs but I set up a lot of venues where I donate to the Guide Dog Foundation and local Save-A-Pets shelters for dogs. So I would love to do that. I've been teaching a dog class called the Dog Whisperer at St. Joseph's University. It's a local university in Pat Dog. I actually wrote the course and I've taught it since 2016. And it's a course all about the special human dog bond and relationship. And that is kind of cool because, I mean, when it comes down to it, you're not going to get that unconditional love. Even the humans are like, ah, man, you left the dishes out last night. A dog's just going to say, good morning, I love you, I love you, I love you. That's right. And they never hold grudges. They're just kind all the time. For those of you who have dogs, you know all you have to do is go to the bathroom, and you come out of the bathroom, and it's like they haven't seen you in years. Their tail is wagging, right? Their whole body is just wagging. They're so happy to see you. And and they actually increase our self-esteem and our confidence They have the ability to decrease our anxiety and depression. They have something, well, they don't have it. There's a hormone called oxytocin, and it's a feel-good hormone. Biologically, it makes us feel 
better. When we pet our dogs, the oxytocin is increased both in the dog and in the human. So it's not just psychological. There's a biological reason why we feel better when we are with our dogs. Plus, yes. Something that loves you that much, just unconditionally, with no questions. Like you could have the worst day in the world and you come home and that dog's there for you. We've we've adopted right. and rescued two of our, our last two dogs, and they were the best two we had. Our Beagle Molly that we had for 10 years, and we found her from the pound. She was at least five. I think she was about 16, 17 when she finally went across the Rainbow Bridge. And we got Marley, a half German Shepherd, half Golden Lab, who is now our baby. 75 pounds of love, but she's our big baby that loves us. So, you know, they're the best. They were the best two dogs we've ever had, bar none. They, yeah, they I have a one hundred. I have a one hundred and thirty pound Bernese Mountain Dog, and mm-hmm. you know the Bernese Mountain Dogs they grow so quickly. Wait. So what happens is they dog? think they're chihuahuas. You got a Can mountain you hear dog, me? dude. That is. That is my yes. favorite dog. I love the mountain dog. They're dogs. beautiful. Yes, they're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Man. Right now, wow. my big baby is trying to eat some of my paper that fell off on the floor because he's kind of mad at me for going away for a little bit today. <laughs> he thinks I'm ignoring her. I rub your belly enough today, baby girl. Yes, I rub your belly half a day. So, but in fact, she's trying to jump on me now. Oh, so, but yeah, I, I respect all the, the work that you do on, and people like you do on things on animals. In fact, she's giving me some feedback now. What feedback? I, I missed that. I, my dog is giving me feedback on her oh, opinions on oh, things yes. right now. Yes, yes. So, she let me know so, she had to so, go. Uh, uh, book, it's her, um, it's her debut novel, um, and it incorporates um, uh, 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 dogs and her ideology um, within the book. Uh, exceptionally well, enough to make uh, this kind of story very, very unique and, and definitely worth reading. Uh, tell us about that. I guess, uh, first of all, how did that um, concept and everything um, come to be? Yeah, so I've always loved dogs. Ever since I was young, I actually spoke for my dogs. I, I had a voice. I created a voice for each dog. They had their own unique voice. And I pretended that I knew what they were thinking or what they wanted, and then I would actually voice their opinions. My brothers, my sisters, my parents, they would think I was a little crazy, but they all went with it. And it was really interesting because when I spoke dog and I said the human words for the dogs, my family would actually listen and reply as if they were talking to the dog. 
so I incorporated that into my book. I wrote the, the Dog Whisperer for the, the university. So I have a lot of information on, on dogs. Would you like me to read a little bit about a dog, like a, an excerpt from the book about a dog's perception? That'd be cool. Okay, so just, uh-huh, go ahead. I was going to say, so, I think Blog Radio has a glitch, and they're going to cut us off in 60 seconds. Can I reschedule the show within uh, 30 minutes? Let's see what we can do. Unless it doesn't cut us off, because it's been more than 60 seconds now. All right. Yeah. Maybe we'll just wait and see if it cuts us off. Then, yeah, Francie just what, told what? me that there's, like, some kind of a glitch. Anyway. No, I didn't. Um uh, keep going, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. So I'll read a paragraph in my book. So this is the dog's perspective. So what happens is it's Halloween day, and the dog is answering the door with his human, Lucy, and this is his perspective. What the heck is happening? Lucy answered the door to three disguised little tykes and a goofy woman donning a witch's hat. Were they in the witness protection program? Did they somehow turn into these creatures? Did Lucy have a cure? Did she have the ability to change them back to their original form? Lucy grabbed a bowl of treats. I hope they included dog biscuits. <laughs> to my dismay, the bowl was full of candy. I heard the little creatures ask if they could pet me. I was confused. They smelled harmless and had adorable smiles, but why did they knock on my door in such a ridiculous garb? I bowed down next to the one who resembled a pumpkin, and I allowed her to touch me. Well, my instincts were correct. Her touch was magical. My doubt melted from my body and seeped into the cement below. I never thought I would have a chance to say I was overjoyed sitting outside with a pumpkin. That was nice. Wow. That was really good. So that's the, the dog's perspective. You know, he opens the door and sees uh, some three little creatures. It's another thing that makes uh, the book so unique, too, is because you get uh, these tidbits of, of uh, from the dog's perspective and, and how they view things. And uh, she kind of adds a little bit of a sense of humor to it sometimes, too. But uh, they're unique observations. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I got I researched so much from writing the dog class and then that and just my love for dogs. It was kind of it just flowed with the book. And then of course I had to put horror in there because horror has always been my favorite genre. Yeah, ours too. Where did that come from? I mean, because you know people are always like, yeah, I love horror. Where do you think it came from with you? What what inspired you to do that? So for me, two things. One, I had night terrors since I was a young child, and as I grew up, I would just make notes about the right night terrors and figured I would eventually make a book about night terrors. And the other thing, when I was about 10 years old, I watched Night of the Living Dead. I'm sure you've all watched that. And my sister's yep. name happens to be Barbara. So when Johnny, the character, said, they're coming for you, Barbara, we screamed. <laughs> we were horrified. And from then on, it was a joke <laughs> that we're coming for you, Barbara. And it just, it hooked me. 
<laughs> oh, I bet it did. Wow. They're coming to get you, Deborah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be funny if it was uh, if it was Deborah instead of Barbara, though. But anyway, yes, sure. Yes. There's some horror movie that says something like that. All right, so let me let me ask you this, okay? What what is? I mean, you talked a little bit about writing and everything. I mean, what is the main thing that expires? inspires you to write? Really, I I want people to learn about dogs. I want to, I, I'm using book donations. I'm going to do library visits and whatever. I, I figured 50% of my sales I would use for donations. And I figured the best way to do that, in my opinion, because I love horrors and I love to read, was to incorporate them into the book. Nice. Hmm. See, that's that is like that's one of the nice. best questions that was ever answered on our show. Honestly, that was, I, I think it's important. Uh, very, yeah, I think it's important if if we're going to write. I think you could still incorporate your favorite genre and help either dogs or people. So I already have three library workshops um, uh, scheduled for this year, and I'm going to talk about dogs and mental health, and then I'm going to talk about my book in the hopes that, like I said, I will donate 50% of the proceeds, so whoever buys the book, I'll have some great donations for the Guide Dog Foundation and Save a Pet. Nice. That's really cool. That is really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So I I also have a a book about dogs. So I'm on a roll here, so I'll I'll tell you something else that I'm doing. I have – I'm turning my – the Stretch Man book into a 30 – no, I'm sorry, a 60-page screenplay for a local theater called the Claros Playhouse, and this will be done probably – in May. I need a little while to do this. And the students in the acting class are going to read the play and then we're going to sell tickets and the tickets will go to the Guide Dog Foundation and save a pet. Wow. Cool. That's very nice. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, That's very inspiring. I, I totally have to agree, one hundred percent. You're you're like making changes out there. I hope so. You know, that's what I wanted to do. I, I mean, Nick had said from the beginning we're not going to make much money as writers, and I really listened to that, and I thought to myself, I don't need to make money being a writer. I have a job, and I want to use the writing really as a, a platform to help dogs. And if I could do that, I, I don't care about the money from the writing. I would rather help the dogs. I think it's really important. Uh, one thing I definitely want to do with your uh, your ambition, I think that you and Tommy Habib, he is a football fan, okay? He lives in Texas. They, they worship football. So that's probably what Tommy Habib is doing right now. 
But I would like to connect you and Tommy Habib and maybe you guys connect on this great thing that you're doing because I think it's magnificent. Yeah, I I said I I would love that. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah, so I will will talk to Tommy Habib. You know, he's probably watching the Super Bowl right now. Probably saying, "Yay, Paul Rihanna! Is she the one, or is it who's performing at the time?" Oh, Shakira. Shakira. Oh yeah, you know all the men love Shakira. No, I'm just kidding. No, but, I think yeah, you know, I that one. And uh, I'm not like really into football or anything anyway. But uh, I used to really like to watch the halftime shows back in the day with like Prince and. Michael Jackson and stuff, and now they're like more of these contemporaries that I don't know too much about, and just kind of different music for me. I'm not like into today's pop music, uh, actually, so it's like, ah, eh, who cares? <laughs> that's because we're getting old. We got a Nick. show to we're do. That's more older. important. That's when you know you're yeah, getting that's old. Because I'm older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah music sucks. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Nobody could perform like oh. Jean, uh, Dean Martin. How did you get into this, Deborah? I mean, how did you, you – okay, tell us how you got into this. I mean, with you know, dogs yeah, and sure. animals. So, so, well, well, the dogs, as, as you all know by now, they're my main love. Um, but in May, actually April, just this past April, I hurt my leg, and I'm a runner. Oh. I do half marathons, and I do triathlons. And I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't move. And it's really upsetting. You know, what, are you go- what am I going to do with my time? So my husband said to me, well, why don't you write a book? And I said, oh, my God, that's a great idea. So I sat down and I oh, wrote. Wow. And it took me April to August. And I wrote the complete book. And then I sent the queries. And Nick, so I told the other people, I don't need you anymore. I have Nick. And that's how it started. <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, I gotta tell you, Nick said the same story too. I got Deborah. Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> no, honestly, yeah, Nick I, I, is I, I really wanted that book too. That was a great query. It was it was nice and professional too. I get all kinds of queries that basically say, "Hey, you want to read my book? It's about this." Uh, and you know, I mean, it's just like really sloppy and stuff. And not that I—that's pretty much half of what I get. The rest, um, the queries are okay. It's just a uh, and your subject matter and everything. And I thought, nah, yeah, that that sounds good. I've got to, uh, I've got to get this before somebody else does. Yeah, well, it, it was great for me. It was the really one of the most exciting things. So. Um, you don't have my picture up. Well, you do have my picture, but I'm in my sixth decade, so to have a book published this late in life was just amazing. And, again, I, I think it's just to show everybody else that if you really want to do something, it doesn't matter how old you are or if you've never done it before. Just sit down and do it. That's good if you think about it, the discipline of it all is you got to sit down and do it. Yeah. And like yeah. doing the and, homework and when you're 
It that does take a lot of discipline, and for you to say sit down and do it, that's a lot of discipline. Congratulations. Honestly. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. As long as you love it. It could be a tough and lonely endeavor at times too. I know from experience. Yeah, sometimes I'll message Tom, and he's like, I'm writing my book. Don't talk to me. <laughs> oh, I'm not that bad. My problem is I'm easily no, swayed. If somebody calls me or wants to go do something, I'm like, okay, you know. You know. <laughs> that gets- oh, you want to go get some drinks? All right, I'm, no. ga- I'm game, you know. <laughs> sometimes I'm too easily distracted. It does take a lot of discipline. And, you know, you you fought that discipline. Congratulations, seriously. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. But, Tom, you, you know, too, and, and Nick, you both right. You, you know, once you're in the zone, you know, Francie is right. If somebody calls you or somebody wants to go out, if you're really in the zone, you can't pick up that phone. You have to finish that sentence or paragraph or chapter. Well, I have a little story to tell you. It's my first book that I did with Nick, and it was out, up north when we go deer hunting, or when we did. I started. Like, I went out opening morning, came in, had breakfast, and I started writing, and kept writing. I mean, I I didn't go back out opening day afternoon, and I I wrote till about two in the morning. Got up, ate breakfast, then I went out to the second day till four o'clock the next afternoon. But I had it done. I mean, that was how in the zone I was. It was like I fell asleep setting up writing, you know, on a legal pad. That's how, you know, that, that's why I knew I had to lay down on the couch and go to sleep. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know. So but that was my first book I did with Nick, Shadows of the Dark. And it was like, man, I just, wow, I was I was in the zone. or something about certain areas. Like if I go on a vacation up north or do something where it's a nice scenic less stressful area, not the city, it's like, oh, man, I, I can hit that zone and stay there, you know, so, but that, that's how that zone, you know, it's like, I fell asleep setting up writing, and as soon as I ate breakfast the next morning, I started right back into it. Yeah, that's awesome. So. Yeah. What do you find the toughest part about writing, uh, uh, like about dogs and that stuff? What do you find the toughest, and what do you find the easiest? Um, I think the toughest, because it was the first book I ever read, the toughest was when I was sitting there writing, and I wasn't really me anymore. I was a vessel, and the characters went off in places I didn't plan them to go, and I had to go with where they wanted to go. And I would sit back and say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm derailing from my story, but I couldn't go where I wanted to go because the story was unfolding by itself. And I just thought that was just an amazing experience, and I had to let it go and go with the flow, not go where, I, where my goals were. Almost like yeah. you're the storyteller. You're involved in the story. You're part of the story not the author anymore you're just kind of it's taking you taking you over in a sense 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah, I, you know, I got to ask you this. This isn't like giving uh, anything away uh, because some of it, uh, some of this is uh, actually in the description uh, of the book. But what um, what made you uh, dream up um, at, at teenage um, high schoolers uh, in a band that get um, turned into their own instruments for Pete's sake? That was really cool. You did it well. You, I mean, when you did it, you described it very well, so I can actually see what's going on. That must have been very kind of difficult to explain. But what, uh, what, how did that pop in your head? So my my nephew Kyle actually plays the trombone. So I wanted to put him in without actually using him. So I used his name. And then when I went to bed that night, I thought I need something to make this a horror, and I actually had a dream about it. And, and the, the students turned into their musical instruments, and I kept a pencil and paper by my bedside, and I would wake up and I would jot these things down, and the next day I could write three or four or five pages of what I dreamed about. Uh. I, I have, the, I have the, um, the trombone and the instruments right here, if you would like me to read a paragraph. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. So all people right. know so, what we're talking right. about. <laughs> right. All right. So his trombone's mouthpiece softened and slid into his mouth. It continued down his throat and expanded. His bandana was torn off his head and fell to the ground. He felt a fullness in his body, both uncomfortable and unequaled. He was not only a musician. He was the music. His body bent and twisted. His head spread like the trombone's bell. His arms elongated into the slide. He yelled out for help, but only a blaring toot escaped from his lips. His neck contorted into the turning slide. His legs shortened until he was three feet tall. He looked around and took notice of other transformations, and the same thing happened to his friends. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that that was great. That was a great scene. Imagine that being uh, a scene from a movie. Yeah, Especially you know when I wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, when I wrote it, you I was thinking it. actually visualizing a movie. So, if anyone out there wants to make this into a movie, this is actually what I was visualizing. That would be awesome. Certainly. Yeah, you can visualize it very well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that was great. I, um, <laughs> uh, on a small note, um, I, uh, pardon the pun, a small note. Um, I played the trombone in junior high school in band. <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, we were all we did like stage things, uh, you know, like the theme song from Superman the movie back in the day. This was like '78 or '79, and but I I had my trombone and I played it. Learned how to read music with it and stuff, and, and that was pretty neat. Uh, um, I also had like a cornet, um, but um, I I think I sold them when I was in high school, and I didn't want to go to band in high school. I just didn't want to be in marching band. Didn't want to do the football stuff. Nope, nope, n- double nope. <laughs> so I think that's what discouraged me from then on. Yeah, that's too bad. 
Yeah, but I play piano and I, I like to sing. So I, I do have a musical outlet. So I kind of miss that trombone, though. But uh, piano, I, I love the piano. So now that you've written your first one, are there any more in the works? I mean, what do you got planned for the future for more works? So, yeah, currently, well, I'm I'm working on the, the screenplay, so I'm I'm still working on changing the stretchman okay. into a 60-page. But I'm actually about a third through my second horror novel called Demon University. And okay. it's on hold because I, I want to get the screenplay done first, but I'm halfway through well, that. I can understand that. And then, yes, and Nick mentioned um, making a Black Bed Sheet books anthology, so I was hoping to write a short story for that. Oh, yeah, cool. some other authors uh, like Jason Gaylert and so forth, and I think probably you, uh, Tom, uh, have mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, uh, a Rita sequel to uh, Read Us or Die. Yeah, so I think we should do that. I do like anthologies. Like the last one that I published was A Scream in the Night 2, that all-women's uh, anthology. But something that's uniquely us again. We we haven't I, we haven't done that since, like, 2014, I think, is when Raiders or Die came out. And it yeah. still exists. You can still buy it for anybody that's listening. Could still buy that thing, but I think it's about time to make a sequel to that uh, because we have a lot of authors that have been on board, uh, obviously, since 2014, and uh, I, they need to be showcased too. Yeah, oh, read or die again. Or read us or die too. Uh-huh. Yo, yeah. Title. Yeah, we'll figure out a title. Read us or die some more. Read us or die some yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we'll see. I'll probably make an announcement um, this spring with that for like maybe a fall release just before Halloween, before I start getting things all together again. Oh my gosh, just had a vision about that. It was. It took so long to put Halloween up. And it took so long to take it down. And uh, soon enough, it, we're going to be putting it back up again. <laughs> and then after that, taking it down. But I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. good. But I, I think you need some help, Nick. I think you have to hire some people. You do too much. Yeah. I do too much, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I should. This time around, that would be great. It would be better than ever. But yeah. Well, I got two questions for you, Deborah. What did you find the easiest part about writing the book, and what do you like most about writing? Well, I I think the easiest part was just the dogs. I just I almost feel like I know what they want to say. So to put that in the italics after I talk about the humans and narrate the book, and then I can put the italics with what the dogs thinking. I thought that was the easiest part. And um, what else? What what was the second what'd part? What do you like? Uh, what, what do you find uh, the easiest? But what did you like most about writing? I, I just I loved that I started to write my first book later in life, and that it went so quickly. It took me four months to write the book, and 
it was it was just really a cool experience if I was in the car not driving if I was the passenger I would have a notebook and pencil and I would jot down ideas if I was sleeping and I had a dream I turned around I jot down ideas if a person said something to me at work I would take out my pen and, and, pen, and pad and write down ideas and I thought it was great I never looked at life like that everything that happens every conversation that you have could be an idea for a book. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, welcome to that club because I'm in it already because I have that notepad with me all the time and a pen. Uh-huh. I jot down an idea. It, it could be something small, but it's like, okay, I know I'm going to use this somewhere. This is the germ of an idea somewhere, you know. Right, right. I remember one time my husband and I were in the car and I saw a construction company car pass by and it had. Um, some kind of mnemonic on it. I don't know what it was. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to use that. So in my book, The Stretch Man, the character who owns the construction company, I made his name Paul Anthony Waldron. So it was P-A-W, construction company. Pause. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Like, the, like, right, for the dog. So just something cool like that. It really opens up such creative ideas yeah yeah everything yeah. is you know i i do have to say um tisha you know <laughs> uh deborah that husband of yours god bless him for uh suggesting that you write because now you've clearly got the bug uh, yeah you even yeah. have some uh, short stories that you've written and uh posted online as well yeah, you know, I started writing them for your anthology, and then I wasn't sure how long the anthology, when you were going to publish that. So I wrote up uh, Road Rage about, really, we all drive. I, I think California is just as bad as New York. And, and I, I just uh, thought, you know, the Road Rage. The worst I'm one of them. You think worse than New York? I don't know. So the Road Rage, I wrote that. And then... Um, another issue that I know we all experience, have you ever heard somebody talk and just talk like a monologue, nasty gossip without shutting up, and you want to say something back, but they don't even give you the, the, a breath to say something? So I wrote a short story called The Other about how we're always listening to other people and we don't have a voice, so the woman's lips actually fade away and disappear. And she's walking around without the ability to talk because she wasn't able to assert herself and speak. So she lost the ability. Ah. Which should happen to most Karens (laughs) these days. I I, kind of like it how they, people like that, you describe most Karens these days. It's like, where did that come from? Where are they called that? I don't know, but yeah, a lot of people that just talk and talk and talk and talk and yell and scream. Yeah, and and I think too, um, my line of work, so I'm a social worker, and and I'm thinking of all of the issues that people go through like this, when you hear people talk gossip, or when you're on the road and you're angry and you shouldn't speed or flip off the finger to to another driver or 
depression and anxiety with the dog. So try and put all of these socially significant issues in my books. Yes, and definitely in the stretch man, too. Um, there's, there's a lot of that. As a matter of fact, Eva, uh, the, the development, but the way that the characters work together uh, are, are very well written like that. And you can tell that you have some kind of a, oh, I don't know, maybe pulling it out of the air, a psychological uh, understanding of people. Yeah, I, I, I used I use what I know to to develop the characters. And the autistic boy, you know, even at the college level, we have a lot of autistic students, and they're brilliant. They just learn differently. So I used one of the characters, Daniel, even though he's a little boy in the, the book, I used him to show people that even though he had limitations, this little boy was one of the key people, characters in the book, to conquer the villain with his emotional support dog. So, it, it, you know, you have to look at people and look at their positive qualities instead of what, what they might not be able to do. That, that's true. <laughs> you know, I, I had a, a slight little idea, but maybe down the road, especially in some kind of a sequel to The Stretch Man or something, um, you should incorporate cats. Hmm. <laughs> I know you love dogs. I'm more like a cat person. But but uh, as sequels go, though, to uh, to amp up the you know, to make it different than the original, but you know, and stuff, uh, add another kind of animal that people can like, okay. you know. Uh, but, um, but but maybe not. <laughs> no, no, I, but, yeah, I like my, the my idea. life is surrounded by cats. Yeah, I like the idea. I, I was actually, I was going to write a sequel to The Stretch Man before I started on Demon University, but as a first-time writer, I wasn't sure if it would be worth it to write a sequel before I knew if it was going to sell. Oh, well, yeah, and you should wait. Uh, it, it's a good idea to kind of wait and do other things and then get back to it later on. That way you have enough time in your in the back of your mind while you're doing other things to um, develop ideas over time that uh, that get enriched over time. And then, then pretty soon you have, like, sparks and you have, like, a great unique ideas to, like, move the story forward um, that way. It's it's good to flex your writing muscles now that, now that you're into the groove and all. It's great to just flex your writing and your, your imagination by concentrating on just, uh, you know, other things like you've been doing with your short stories. Okay, yeah, that's good advice. Yes. Do you have, do you have a favorite time of day to write, or? Uh, no. <laughs> when, whenever I have time, I, I work full-time at the St. Joseph's University as a, an assistant dean, and then I also work part-time on top of that position. I teach uh, psychology of women and adult development and aging and the dog whisperer and the first-year experience and the transfer seminar. I have four grown children and a, a big doggy. So whenever is the answer for that. Whenever I have a minute, I sit down and write. Okay. 
because I know some people sometimes they have a tendency to, you know, um, early and some like get up in the morning when they're by themselves having a coffee or something like that or you know. Yeah, no, not a lot of us. Right when the inspiration hits, strikes us too. You know. Mm Mhm. Sometimes it's hard to have like a regiment or a a strict schedule, uh, I guess, for writers, especially if, um, uh, if, you know, writing is a side thing and you have a real job and (laughs) a real job Um, and and, and stuff uh, because uh, you find the time. You can't like really schedule it. And it when it's when it inspires you too. I, I mean, at least that's the way it works with me. Sometimes things get in the way, and then you write when you can. As far as like making schedules, stuff. So, so yeah, I used to like um, when I was working on my book, The Everborn. Uh, I found times at parties uh, where I was bored. And the whole social experience was bringing me down, and I'd sit in a corner at a table or something, or at a nightclub or a party or wherever, and just get gather a bunch of paper towels or napkins, just keep working on the Everborn. I, 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 I knew exactly where I was going to go the next time I sat down to do it. So I might as well be there because I was bored. <laughs> so I've written on a lot of napkins and... You know the old uh, what's her name that did Harry Potter? Yeah, she did that too, I guess, on trains. But uh, yeah, yeah. And so whenever I, I suggest bring a notepad with you wherever you go, if you're in a subway yeah. or you know commuting somewhere or something, just like you know jot down I just stuff. See the uh, the reports that you gave for the Everborn, where you wrote it took you what 15 years to write the Everborn. Yeah, I, 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 12 years. But, yeah, yep, and that was the only book that I, I wrote a few short stories in between and, and, and things. But, um, but yeah, 12 years working on that yeah, thing. And I did, I, did, I did see that folder that you had. Oh, my gosh, here's the folder of the Everboard, and it was, like, stuck. Yeah, it was huge. I had to change the mythology a couple of times and stuff. Zebra almost bought it, um, but they made uh, suggestions. And so then I, yeah, it's a long story. It's not my show. <laughs> it's Deborah's. It's a long story. That. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes uh, it's a long process, especially something like that. Um, just like it's a big, like, volume, almost like, Stephen King's It, I think, or something. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't ever want to write a book that long ever again. <laughs> I am curious, though, Nick, what, what made you uh, decide to do published rather than write? Uh, to, oh, well, I've been writing most of my life, and, and when I got published in 1988, I thought I didn't have to work anymore, <laughs> and then I did, and I, I got screwed by publishers, too, um, even though I, I learned a lot. It was just a lot of footwork and a lot of figuring things out for myself. Back in those days, you didn't have the Internet, um, and um, so I, I I did some stuff 
uh, trying to promote my work that I'm proud of, like going to um, uh, places locally that uh, distributed to all the supermarkets uh, with books and got them to carry my book in 1988, Crazy Spray, and then then for and so on. And, but uh, I, I mean, I just got discouraged by the industry and 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 stuff. Um, and uh, and over the course of time, when I got the rights back for the stuff that I that that were published by other people, I thought, and that was around 2001 when I started. I got my first computer and uh, started figuring out how to do like a cheap website. And then I figured um, that I, I I tried to push my books around to other publishers, and all I got were these print-on-demand publishers that wanted fifteen hundred dollars for them to publish my book and so and i did that with the everborn at first and it got me nowhere and i figured i'm going to start publishing myself so when i started doing that i started designing my own covers formatting my own interiors and everything and then i figured um and then i went to conventions and all the hoopla in the in the 2000s uh and then i started figuring well a friend of mine that i worked with at walmart um over here in the 90s uh he had a poetry book, and I thought, you know, I know how to format now, and I know how to kind of make a cover. So let's publish your poetry and see what happens. Uh, under not, not Black Betsy books, because I hadn't met my noggin by then, but I was, it was, I called it diverse media. Um, and uh, and then um, I, after I published that, I just started thinking, uh, well, I got disillusioned by just normal employers. Because uh, and I worked mostly in retail, and it, it every every place I got employed at, they went bankrupt, and they had like meetings saying we're going to close down, and everybody would cry, and oh, the managers, where are we going to go now, and 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 it just like sucked. So I thought, you know what? I know enough about this. I've educated myself enough. Um, why don't I publish other people uh, as a living? doing that as a living and i decided to do that and i've been doing it ever since in a nutshell i mean people let you down yeah. and um that, that's what i, I, I yeah, want about... to be uh, in some kind of to some capacity and control of my life and this is a big thing and also um when i started uh black bed sheet and the reception that i got and the experiences that I have since, it's deeper than back in the days when I used to preach in churches. Um, it's more religious to me than that. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I found my walk of life. And writing, yes. I mean, but um, publishing other people, finding unsung people especially, um, uh, and making a difference in their life by, by finding them and, and giving them a little step up the ladder, that's been the most enriching thing that I have ever done, and that's why I keep doing it, and I'll keep doing it until the day that I die. Uh, like I said, it's more important to me than back in the days of, um, you know, religion. It's um, it's almost a religious experience. I found my walk in life, and um, aside from my own writing, I'm finding, discovering people, and giving them a chance, and giving them a spotlight. And and I'm not the answer, but I'm a step up the ladder. 
and you know, maybe when I'm 80, uh, so, so, yeah, I'll, I'll get some like award or something for it, and all the people that I've done something for will like end up in a pot. I hope until unless I die by then. But I mean, that's my calling. That's well, why I publish. That's my calling. Hopefully, we're able to put help you put you on the map here too. You know. Uh, I'm on the map. I, I just, you know. Oh, you know you what know. I mean. I have a bigger, a bigger, a bigger place on the map, or, uh, you know, something you like know. that. Yeah. Up there with double One of these now. days, I want to go into a convention, um, um, uh, uh, with a chariot and horses, and go down the main row of all the vendors and like throw out black bedsheet books to people, and <laughs> like that'll ever happen. But uh, you know, I mean. I'm not laughing at it. I'm so into that. I'm so thrilled to find um, uh, uh, these great authors. I, I choose authors that if I, back in the 80s, when I loved to go to uh, uh, mass market paperback shelves in the, in, in the grocery stores, I, I try to, um, to incorporate that in the books that I publish. And people that I publish are people that I would actually pick up and buy, um, and just like Deborah. Just like Deborah, and just like you, Tom. I mean, you know. Thank you. Um, and I mean, a book called *The Stretch Man*, with what it's about, turning over the cover and going, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta read this thing." Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that means a lot. And, and yeah, we're well, supposed to have a publisher yeah. like you, Nick. So, you know. Yep, it's it's just by calling. My writing is. Uh, sadly secondary, but I have to, I mean, if I didn't do this, then I would write and have to, like, go back to work at Walmart or something like that. Um, uh, so, you know, I mean, this was uh, both business-wise and, and spiritually, and it's a whole nine yards, you know, finding what your lot is in life, you know, that's, that's what I've, that's the whole, that's the whole thing, um, you know. <laughs> and I, I make a decent enough living to, um, to to do the bills thing and to you know have a decent life. Of course, I want like one of my authors to be a success enough to have a movie made because it's part of the contract <laughs> and and you know I get a percentage out of something and the whole nine yards. And I try to actively pursue that as best as I can too. But I mean. Uh, still, it's like, oh, okay, who's next? I got to publish this person next. Oh, righty then, let's do it, and and pump them out. <laughs> Get these, give these people the spotlight. Like Ken King, for example, he's never been published, um, uh, 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 at least a novel, and uh, he's next. And I'm really excited because he's new, and he's got a great book. And let's launch him out into the world and see what happens, just like the rest of you. Yeah, I read some of his short stories, and he really is good. He's, I really like him. I, I can't wait to read his book. Yeah, this is really great. He actually uh, submitted two more <laughs> to me. So they're on hold for right now. He's, he's really excited and ambitious, too, just like you. Just like you. Look, you've got the writing bug. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever lose it. Yes. Jersey or New York? 
What's that? Are you at Jersey or New York? Are you going to make fun of me, Francie? <laughs> no, I'm in New York. I, 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 I'm in Long Island. Long oh. Island, okay, yeah, New York. I'm in, in New York on Long Island, but I don't really see oh, it like that. Oh, I got cousins that live uh, on Long Island. <laughs> that is so awesome. That is so awesome. I got cousins that live on we, Long Island. We, we have a regular customer, and she talks like you. I was like, Jersey or um, New York? And she's like, bitch, I'm from New York, <laughs> from Brooklyn. How could you even need yeah, could you even, like, I was like, just asking. I knew you were East Coast. Francie's not good at doing accents. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Two, really two of my good cousins, Mike and Terry Rich, are from New York. Let's do what? Early do what? In, they live in Long Island. Two of my cousins live in Long Island. Ah. So, almost a small world there. No, I, I, I love your accent. I wish I could imitate it. I tried to. Yeah. My mom grew up in Ohio, and the, the, the closest I get to is care. Care. That's car. Oh. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> sure what you called. Okay. Yeah, go get in the car. What are you waiting for? Go get in the car. Mom, you do you have a, a nice accent. Though. It's it's a really interesting to actually talk to my authors on the phone, especially when I haven't literally talked and heard their voice in a, a, a long period of time. Like, uh, But we did have a phone conversation. I think... Point... Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 it, it gives you a better kind of like a closeness and, and things. Oh, oh, that's what I'm like. And, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I wasn't even sure if um, how to pronounce your last name at first, too. But, uh, no, right. everybody right. knows it's Deborah Zach. Deborah Zach. Zach, that's right. My husband was born in Switzerland, so it's really a Swiss name, so it's Zach. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah my last name is Weatherman. There's no other way to approach my last name. It's just Weatherman. Like, oh, do you mean like on television? It's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm that, I'm that person you see on television every night. I don't know if I'm not listening anymore. Yeah. Yeah, weatherman. Uh, every time, every time I think of uh, um, the name, last name Weatherman, and I know that it's not how it's pronounced in the song, but there's an old. Um, I think I'm not sure if it's an Irish song, but they've updated. I, I, I've I've only heard it like uh, I think the first time last summer. But uh, I incorporate yes. the word soon, France weathermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. <laughs> it is an Irish name, and we castrate the sheep. We tie rubber bands on. All right, so Deborah, what's going on? Uh, Block Talk Radio is about to cut us off. 
what are you doing? Yes, your plan? that's cool. We got to have a full show. Cool. That is groovy. This is going to be in the archives for people to listen to afterwards, forever, until the world ends. So, Deborah, wow, you get to go back to the show and, and, and listen to how you sound. <laughs> uh, I look forward to that. Man, it's going to go on iHeartRadio and all the whole nine yards. Sometimes Howard Stern has um, has uh, um, uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, parodied or, well, not parodied, what, what, what was it? Uh, the, he would, like, interrupt our show with different voices and stuff. He doesn't do that anymore, though. Griffin called us. Lost touch with him. All right, so Deborah, what's going on with you in the future? What are your future plans? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I kind of mentioned, so I'm going to do a few library workshops on dogs and mental health, and I'm working on the stretch man for the Claro's Playhouse screenplay and another book, and I will keep my job. And that's a lot. <laughs> Don't quit your job. I'll book some money for a reason. Yeah. Well, we show those success. That and... That's kind of my little inside joke. They're like, oh, you wrote a book. Why are you working here? It's like, well, it's called Book of Million for a reason. Okay, cool. We show the success um, and the future endeavors and the current one and all that good stuff and keep writing. No. Yes, thank you, yes And at some point when I get a chance I'm going to make up a, a little um, Ad for you Like a, a website ad That you can like use it, Like a JPEG that Advertises your book and, and stuff I've done that, I, I post, it all, post Things like that all the time On our group page um, uh, So I'm going to do one of those for you And hopefully Um I probably the end of March, I hope, or before spring happens, get like a, a a short animated trailer out for you on YouTube for the stretch man. Oh, okay. Okay. And what yeah. is that, an animated trailer? Oh, just something that, uh, it's a trailer. Um, uh, I And uh, you, you can, uh, a, a good way of explaining it is if, um, I'll, I'll send you on Facebook Messenger a couple of the trailers I used to do that are animated like that. It, um, it's, it's not, you know, um, like uh, a lot of trailers, book trailer, generic book trailers, where they show like generic images and then they have a word or or a sentence, and then you have to wait another generic image, then another sentence, and then you know it's. It's more thrilling than that, I hope. Um, I'll, I'll send you a couple of examples. Okay, good. I haven't yes. done one of those in a while. I'd like to do one of yours. It should be interesting. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're about to be yeah. cut off. All right, Francie, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed this. It was great talking to you, Deborah. Thank you. You too, Tom. Deborah, we got to get you back on. Deborah, we got to get you back on. Definitely. Yeah, that that would be great. Yeah, I I knew it. I was pushing Francie. I was saying we've got to have Deborah on. Got to have her on. And you're on. 
Okay. I'm trying to get you. Trying to get you on with uh, Tommy Habib. I think you and Tommy yeah, Habib will get along very well. Well, that'd be a blockbuster show. I would. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Would be nice. or if, if, if we get him on again, then we can call you and tell you that he's on call in, or, or vice versa. A, a, any of that works. Yeah. Because you, you guys with the with dogs. Um, and dog rescues, I mean, your passion with all that, I mean, uh, uh, you both dig on each other that way. Help each other out in the be, name of dogs. That would be in the name of dogs. One more in the name of dogs. <laughs> that actually would be great. That would be great. I totally agree with that, and so does Tom. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're about to cut us off. Um, Deborah, I will get you in contact with Tommy Habib, and maybe you guys can work on the project together. Yeah, that's great. All right. I will do that. Oh, yeah, by the way, what we're talking to, um, it doesn't matter who's listening. Um your books that you ordered should be uh, to you by the end of this week. Amazon takes forever, but uh, by the end of this week. Oh, yeah. Good, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Good night, good you night, guys. Everybody. Good night, you guys. Nighty night. Nighty night. Oh, this day goes by so fast. Yes, it does. Once upon a time, before I was a saint, I dated this Disney guy, Joe Jonas was his name, but he broke up with me. You're just way too creepy, plus I found someone else, his name's Mickey. So I wrote a song about his stupid ass, then found this guy named Tron, but that was over fast. If you don't marry me, I will pull out your teeth. You're totally crazy. No. Yes. No. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> he hit me with his guitar, and he said... We are through. Just you wait until I write a song about you. Then I met Bob Jake, Killin' Hall Dick, and was obsessed right away. You sent me 1,000 messages, <laughs> and that's just from today. Oh, that's because I'm having your baby. What? But you don't even put out. Stop questioning me, J.D. Or I'll put you six feet underground Whoa! Whoa! Psycho! 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 Hey! Go! It's good, my dear, free Kennedy I think he was 15 I bought the house next door To watch you constantly And also to make sure You never ever cheat Oh, well, gee, we are done You are scary Harry was my last That one direction freak I taped him to my wall So he can never leave Someone call the police Your insane we are through You're just like Alvarez 
Just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 